Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, as we bring you a new episode. We're actually recording this episode late on Wednesday night, March 15, 2023. As far as the specific time, the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico have not completed their game yet in the World Baseball Classic, and USA has not faced Colombia. So if we update that information along the show, then that gives you an idea behind the scenes of where we're at while we're recording. But speaking of the World Baseball Classic, the White Sox players that are participating are doing incredibly well. Yoan Makata is not making outs anymore, which is a wise baseball strategy as he's helped lead Cuba to the semifinals. Tim Anderson and Lance Lynn have stepped up in big ways for Team USA. And uh, Eloy Jimenez, who I didn't think was going to play a lot for the, the Dominican Republic, has found playing time, and he's excelling for the DR. So we'll talk about those performances in a moment. There is one topic as far as out of spring training that caught my attention, as Ethan Katz and Michael Kopech may have pointed out that the pitch clock could be an impact to starting pitching health. We'll talk about that later in the show. And the White Sox have a new promotional night at the stadium in 2023. We'll break that down later in the program. But joining me is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And Jim, let's talk about the World Baseball Classic. We've been hosting watch parties with our friends from the 108. Uh, we have been gushing about it the last couple of weeks since the tournament has started. But now you look at the White Sox players that have been involved. And I have to say, like, they're all doing well. Like, Luis Robert is having a gro- a good World Baseball Classic. And Kendall Graveman, in the few times that he's pitched for USA, has been good. They have been the worst of the bunch, <laughs> to say the least, for everyone that is participating. And that's great to see. Yeah, it, it's when you look at, like, the White Sox spring training performance, and it's it's okay up and down, and it, we haven't been able to watch many games, so that you know doesn't help when it comes to just knowing exactly what somebody's bringing to the table. But you look at the stats and say okay, and you look at the game recaps and you say okay, and then you switch over to the World Baseball Classic and just the environments, especially like in the uh, sold out games like you know Mexico and the U.S. or you had the you know the Caribbean games or they had the. the <laughs> Puerto Rico and uh, um, Dominican Republic in Miami, which has been awesome watching that. Yeah, I, I've caught glimpses of it uh, while uh, taking care of my son, but just seeing that kind of crowd in Miami, which is awesome. And you just got to say like, you know, I wonder if the players who are in Arizona or in Florida in training, watching these games are saying, man, you know, I, I wish I signed up or I wish I got the call or I wish, you know, I was, a little bit more confident about my physical state, like if I'm Dylan Cease and just trying to establish your place in the game because 
It looks awesome. It does. And also shout out to Jose Ruiz. Ruiz has been pitching really well. Ruiz has been flashing a, a changeup, a 90 mile per hour, 91 mile per hour changeup that he's been really effective against left-handed batters. And again, everyone's been excelling for the White Sox. And we start with Cuba as they have reached the semifinals of the World Baseball Classic. And large thanks to Yoan Makata, who against Australia went two for two with a double and a single. And he walked twice. He reached on base all four times. And after he started 1-4-11, the World Baseball Classic, and Cuba lost those first two games, and they were losing 4-2 going into the sixth inning against Panama. They were in boiling water. Since that moment, Yoan Makata has reached on base nine of his last 10 of plate appearances. <laughs> like, he goes from ice cold to red hot at a snap. And it's really changed things for Cuba's outlook. And they're just a couple games away from winning the World Baseball Classic. And now Cuba is heading to Miami, Jim, this weekend to play in the semifinals. Do you want to talk about atmospheres? That's going to be a big one, uh, especially the Cuban contingent in Miami. And it's great to see for Makata. I, I'm hearing and I see you skeptical. You know, the skeptics out there on Twitter, like, yeah, well, if Cleveland had a bunch of guys that were throwing 89, 90, 91, then I'd be more confident for the upcoming season for Yohan Makata. But again, the way that he started was not good, but the way that he has found his rhythm and he's really locked in, this is the type of stretch that I don't care whoever's on the mound and throwing. We rarely got a chance to see this from Yohan Makata last year, Jim. Mm -hmm. And I only view this as a big positive, as a confidence booster for Makata leading up to opening day. Yeah, he wasn't hitting anybody last year. Like, so, you know, in this case, I think it's a good thing that he almost has like the, you know, difficulty slider, you know, set on, you know, it's almost like dynamic uh, difficulty. Like if you play, uh, you know, MLB The Show or something like that. Like, okay, you're hitting, uh, you know, you're not seeing any uh, breaking balls out of the zone. You're hitting 600 and slugging uh, four digits. Let's turn it up to rookie. Let's turn it up to uh, veteran. Let's turn it up to all-star, you know, as you go. And that's kind of what it reminds me of watching uh, the World Baseball Classic brackets and just seeing like, okay, you're facing, you know, Chinese Taipei to begin with. And then you're facing like an Australia team that's game, but also thin. And then you can kind of go, okay, all right, now you got the uh, semifinals and you got the, you know, the winners of Puerto Rico and uh, the Dominican Republic and you have Venezuela looming, like that's going to be a, a jump up. And then you see what the you know, other brackets bring when it comes to bringing their best and the pitch counts go up. And so the better pitchers, you know, theoretically should be in the game longer and should have more to offer. So I like seeing where he is and, you know, there, there's reason to be skeptic, you know, skeptical about it, but. It's also, I think, like, let him, you know, enjoy what he's doing because that's all he can do at this point. Um, nobody's predicting, you know, if you're running to, I guess, the uh, the betting sites and saying, like, you're on my kind of MVP, then I'd say, like, slow your roll just because, you know, it all takes is, like, one wrong step for him to be, you know, have a setback and have him, you know, going back to being, like, somebody who's feeling for the ball at the plate and being more of a glove for a sky. So, yeah, I mean, there's always that threat looming to be like, yeah, I'm not going to say he's going to be comeback player of the year, but when he, you can tell a difference between good Moncada and bad Moncada. That's like why we watch the games, and that's why you know you bring the eye test to it. And like I mentioned before, he's one of the players who's kind of 
I wouldn't say fun necessarily, but at least it's validating when you say like, oh, I don't think my cot has got it. And then you look at his numbers over the past week and he hasn't got it. And that's, you know, it's not fun for the results, but at least it's it's somewhat rewarding in terms of like baseball knowledge and saying, oh, I'm a good baseball watcher watching Juan Makata and understanding what he has or doesn't have at any given point in time. And right now, I think you could say like he's got something. And, you know, I'd almost rather see a Makata who's hot and cold for the White Sox rather than somebody who's just kind of like 2021 Makata, you know, a boring three to four win player who's mostly glove guy just because like, I think the White Sox can use somebody who's, you know, who can be like, get on my back for one or two weeks and then back off a little bit because I think they have other guys on the roster, you know, Eloy Jimenez, um, you know, Andrew Vaughn, I think can be that guy. Um, Yasmani Grandal, if he's healthy, we've seen him be that guy to where they can have those hot, you know, one or two weeks. And then you hope that somebody is like a five to six win player who is like an all-star who is like uh, the, the, the centerpiece of the lineup. But Moncada doesn't need to be that guy, given where he's coming from. I think he's just more of a uh, whatever will take, you know, if he can get back to competent and we'll take whatever excellence he offers. Like, I will take excellence and short bursts from Yohan Makata because the White Sox can probably use that kind of burst that he has. Especially since I saw a stat, I think it was from Matt Eddy at uh, Baseball America, who said, like, the White Sox are facing, like, right-hand starters in their division, like, 12% of the time. And everybody else is getting at least a quarter. And so they're going to need that left-handed bat, that left-handed ability to turn on right-handed pitching and put something in the right-handed seats. And I think Moncada is showing that. And so, great. Do not uh, look a gift horse in the mouth because they can use basically any present from their left-handed bats. Yeah, Luis Robert at the same time is 5 for 22 right now for Cuba with seven strikeouts. He does have four RBI. So, Again, it could be better for Luis Robert, but Yoan Makata has been red hot for Cuba. And Cuba, ever since the sixth inning against Panama, they have been a machine and they are on a roll. And again, they are in the semifinals for the World Baseball Classic. They'll play the Pool C runner-up against the Pool D winner, in which the Pool D winner was Venezuela, as they went very impressive 4-0 in pool play. And they'll be either playing Mexico or USA in that runner-up matchup as far as in Pool C. Moving over to Team USA, Tim Anderson and Lance Lynn, they've been sharing the spotlight here, and Tim Anderson's been getting his flowers, Jim, as the cool kids would say, uh, especially with Ken Rosenthal's article after USA uh, blew out Team Canada 12-1. to And Anderson, before the Columbia game, Four for seven for Team USA with a double, a triple, four RBIs. And manager for Team USA, Mark DeRosa, needed Anderson's presence in the lineup and on the field so much that he moved Anderson over to second base to replace Jeff McNeil. And Jim, you wrote about this on SoxMachine.com. This seems to be one of those good things of giving Tim Anderson an opportunity to play a different position and it was out of necessity for Team USA. They needed a shot in the arm, and it's just nice to hear that, hey, a White Sox player is a shot in the arm for a very loaded Team USA roster. Yeah, and he's so valuable that we just need him to line up no matter what. And you know, when the White Sox brought back Andrews, and there was this discussion last year over, like, when both Andrews and Anderson are in the lineup, like, who plays shortstop? And, like, of course it's Anderson. And, like, you had some... Uh, some grump saying like, well, you know, 
Andrews isn't making errors. He should be the shortstop. And like, yeah, it's one thing when Anderson doesn't have his legs. And that's why when we go back to the middle infield, you know, preview, it's like, that's why I mentioned. And, and, you know, we both agree that like, he just needs his legs to be able to do everything he's capable of doing. But like in the event that he's like, for whatever reason, hampered, like say he has a groin tweak or a hamstring tweak or, you know, just something that it, he can play through. And hopefully this is a case where like with the White Sox training staff that we know what White Sox players can play through and what they should sit for seven to 10 days for like, because we saw them try to play through stuff last year and it did not earn any points. Like, sure, you're tough, but also this is completely counterproductive. Get off the field. Uh, like this is where I'm looking at. Uh, yeah. When, when I'm having this conversation, like I want to see the White Sox establish some benefit of the doubt here before, like I let them play a guy who's clearly too hurt to play his natural position. But like in the event, there's some kind of weird thing where Anderson's bat is fine. And, you know, there's no better option, be it Romy Gonzalez or Lenin Sosa or Jose Rodriguez, if it gets to that point in the season where you know, you want a different second baseman in there. Like, I can see it being kind of interesting to say, like, uh, it's been a rough week for Anderson. Like, we're facing a right-hand lineup that's going to be smoking grounders to the left side. We want Andrews out there, you know, get Anderson the right side, get his bat in the lineup. And I could see it being somewhat useful. Um and in the World Baseball Classic, when you have Trey Turner at short, and I, I think Anderson would agree, like Trey Turner deserves to play short given what he's accomplished. They're both batting champs. And you have Anderson taking the place of a batting champ on the second base side with Jeff McNeil because, like, Anderson has impressed Mark DeRosa more than McNeil. Like, that's a compliment to play second base in that regard versus a demotion or like doubting. So that's a cool way to do it. Like it's, it's a nice thing I think for Pedro Grafal to have somebody else introduce that topic and have it be a compliment and having the discussion, um, you know, when broached to Anderson and broached to Griffal being like, Hey, this was, you know, they want Anderson so bad. He had to play second and everybody's happy about it. Like that's, that's a nice byproduct of this. And should it be useful at some point? Uh, you know, and even if Anderson like has a relapse at shortstop to where he's kind of making gaffes on everything, uh, you know, not everything, but just enough normally hit balls to where it becomes a problem. And like, you know, it just, it becomes uncomfortable. You know, perhaps if Andrews is hitting the way you think he can hit with that stake bet that one away, mm -hmm. uh, you know, WRCS plus, uh, I can see it being a case where, you know, maybe it becomes more palatable of a discussion because it's been talked about before and it's been done before in much flattering circumstances. So, um, you know, it's not a bad thing. And this is, I think that positive reinforcement that I think Anderson was hoping for with the, uh, Chuck Garfine podcast saying we want people behind us. And right now, like he's getting people behind him with this play. And I think, you know, if he comes out playing like this, in Chicago and should Yohan Makata bring it the same way and you know enough you know the other White Sox players uh, who haven't been participating in the World Baseball Classic falling in line you know White Sox fans want to be entertained like you know they're not gonna be saying like you know if the White Sox you know come out of the gate 12 and 4 I don't think too many people are gonna be like folding their arms and be like well you know it's only April show it in May like People will be saying, thank God, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, we love this. Let's keep going. And, and maybe it won't show up in the attendance right away because it's April in Chicago. But the, the social media discussion, like the overall tone and temperature, like the fans want to be entertained, especially uh, like after a year like last year. So it won't take long if Anderson's playing like this and 
everybody's going to be saying the same thing, which is like, and we heard it last year, which is like, when he goes, everybody else goes. And right. I think, you know, when it comes to the White Sox, like if he's hitting doubles and stealing bases and not just hitting singles to right field, like it will be indicative of like what the White Sox can do from an extra base perspective, from a just a dynamic offense perspective. And also hopefully, you know, from a much better overall infield defense as well. The other thing that caught my attention is just how well liked he is in the team USA clubhouse. Like when Mike Trout is calling Tim Anderson a superstar and there's no other way to put it. And Mark DeRosa, who I think leans towards the old school ways and he's just enthralled by Tim Anderson and he didn't exactly know on how to approach Tim Anderson, but now he's met Tim Anderson and he's working with Tim Anderson. He can't say enough great things about Tim Anderson. Like the rest of major league baseball loves Tim Anderson. He is a free agent in a couple of years. Okay. Like I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Chicago white Sox. It's, it's just Mm -hmm. not you. That's going to value Tim Anderson. I think, most of Major League Baseball is going to value of what Tim Anderson has to bring. And again, just like Yoan Makata, if Tim Anderson could carry this positive momentum that he is displaying with Team USA, that's in a tricky situation. They got some pretty tough games coming up in the World Baseball Classic. I think that could be a big boost for him to start on fire again in 2023. Because he did start on fire in 2022. Then he had the groin injury, and that derailed his 2022 season. Mm -hmm. But Another player that performs really well, Lance Lynn, in his start against Canada, five innings, two hits allowed. One of them was a solo home run. That was the only run he allowed. He struck out six. He walked none. And out of his 65 pitches, Jim, he threw more breaking stuff than we've ever seen before from Lance Lynn. Is this an example of an old dog learning some new tricks in the twilight of his career, Jim? Or it's an old dog having a nine-run lead after one inning and treating it like a spring training start and being like, I mean, here's what I'm going to work on today, make it productive. And, <laughs> uh, you know, he got his five innings, he got his 65 pitches, um, which is probably where he would be if you were at Campbellbeck Ranch. So, yeah, I mean, like it was a perfect spring training start, but also like he gets Patriot points for wearing a Team USA jersey and just, you know, kind of messing around with a uh, with a huge lead. He gave up the solo homer, which is fine because he's throwing strikes. I think he'd rather give up a solo homer than walk a guy almost when you have that kind of cushion and that kind of stage and you're just more concentrating on, uh, you know, hitting your checkpoints. And he said like that, he, you know, what he was like looking for is like nine innings on 65 pitches. Like he was happy just to be out there and try to get through the innings as fast as possible. But mm-hmm. yeah, that like, that was the best of both worlds. Like when you can have that kind of start and also like, just have the, you know, uh, low exertion, like basically be able to treat it like you're at Camelback ranch, because we've seen some ugly innings. We saw Brady singer, have an ugly inning where like he had a labor and we saw Daniel Bard, I think it was like 30 pitches over two thirds of an inning. Like we've seen some guys like stay out there longer than like any manager would have them out there. Like we saw with Dylan cease during his spring training start, like you pulling the uh, plug on one inning and sending him back for a fresh one. And then like pulling the plug on that inning when when it's not going well enough. So there is not that kind of escape hatch for a manager in these circumstances. So to have that low stress of an outing in an important game for Lance Lynn is, is quite cool. I mean, like everything, you know, like, like you mentioned, everything pretty much is turning up White Sox when it comes to the WBC right now. I think Lance Lynn took this start against Canada 
more seriously than any type of spring training start. I, I know there were certain things that he was aiming for, but you definitely saw regular season energy on the mound from Lance Lynn. Mm-hmm. Like he looked strong and he was cussing after some big strikeouts to end some innings. Like I understand where you're coming from, Jim, like the things that he wanted to do to check off his list. Yes. As far as in preparation for the regular season, there are those spring training honey to do list items that he had, but I think he channeled that energy uh, and the buzz of being the world baseball classic. And I think he treated as close to a regular season start as he could, even with the pitch limitation. Yeah. I think it was a case where like he was going to maybe go with his plan B in terms of like, Oh, work on this, you know, but he still brought it like a hundred percent. You know, like he still wants to get through his fight. Yeah. He's not going to do anything. that's going to jeopardize, his you know ability to get up and down five times i think so like you know if he's going to his curveball more often and going to slider more often just it's gonna be more like yeah i want to throw that pitch more but also uh i don't want to make this start any harder than myself because i just want to get to the regular season ultimately <laughs> and also like uh you know i'm want to get these guys out as well so it was the best of all worlds when it came to like uh spring development check uh when it came to Team uh, USA getting a victory for them. Check uh, one start closer to regular season. Check. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. I think Lance Lynn may either start the semifinal game or even the championship if the Team USA makes it that far. And then the pitch limitation increases to I think like eighty five or or ninety five pitches around that range uh, as Team USA advances. So then if he gets another start with Team USA, he could push a little bit further. Than 65 pitches. And if he pitches as well as he did against Team Canada, against any future opponent for Team USA, that's also going to be a huge relief for Team USA not having to go to the bullpen and use more pitchers that are taxed or struggled to know which pitchers that they could use as uh, Major League Baseball teams have put restrictions on particular players for Team USA and, and throughout the World Baseball Classic. The last player, and as we're recording this, the DR and Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic of Puerto Rico, they haven't finished yet. But Aloy Jimenez found playing time, and I thought that he would just get like one start in pool play. No, Jim, Aloy got three starts in pool play, starting really critical games for the Dominican Republic. He's playing in right field. He tried to make a sliding catch attempt that went as well as you could possibly imagine for Aloy. He was sliding feet first on a line drive in the gap, and there's just, no, you're, you're not going to catch that. So obviously that went to the <laughs> wall for extra bases. But moving back to the warning track, he's been tracking those fly balls well in right field, and he isn't hurt, so that's thumbs up. But hitting-wise... As we're recording this, Aloy is 5 for 10, and he was about a foot shy of hitting a big home run for the Dominican Republic. So even Aloy, in a stacked lineup like the Dominican Republic, is proving his worth. Was the slide a a spring training effort to not hurt himself? Was that a case where like he might have been, or just his best idea? Best idea. This okay. came directly after Francisco Lindor hit his uh, Little League home run, inside the park home run, which... Could not have been played any worse. I believe it's Julio Rodriguez that's in center field for the DR. Mm-hmm. He could have not played that any worse. It was a sharp line drive by Lindor to center field, and it should have been a single. And it bounced, and it went like through the armpit of Julio Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And then it trickled all the way to the warning track. Rodriguez gets it, throws it to the cutoff, and then the cutoff guy's booting the ball around, and Lindor goes all the way and scores. Like, 
It was awful defense. So then the next batter comes up for Puerto Rico, slices it to, to right field, and it's slicing in between center and right. It's an incredibly difficult play to make. And Aloy decides my best idea to even try to catch this is sliding feet first into the gap falls way short. And he goes all the way to the wall. And then he just lays flat so he can give Rodriguez an opportunity to make a strong throw back into the infield. So it was, it was a, this is my best idea. I'm not diving head first. I'm sliding here and did not come close. Well, that, that's what I meant. Like the not diving head first. Like I would, I'm, I'm happy to not see Jimenez dive head first in a spring training game. Like I don't think that needs to happen. <laughs> so, you know, given the, uh, you know, the fence, uh, incident that he had, you know, tearing his pectoral muscle. Like, I don't mind seeing feet first slides from him and as the entire world of baseball classic. I just didn't know if it was a case like that was him understanding the geometry of, or, you know, the triangulation of the, uh, where the ball was going to meet his glove and just being way off in his calculations. So if it is a case of him protecting himself, uh, and he's hitting 500 or whatever he's hitting in, in the WBC. Like I will take that balance of offense and self-preservation in the field. If it gets an opening day hitting like he's hitting again, I'm just surprised he's getting this much playing time. Cause it was a very stacked Dominican Republic roster and he got an opportunity to get some playing time with the DR. So again, for the world baseball classic as exciting as it's been. And now we're getting to the single elimination part of the tournament. The white Sox players that are participating have performed very well. So that's great to see Jim and I are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, let's talk about the health concern regarding the pitch clock in spring training and a new promotion night from the Chicago white Sox next on the Sox machine podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. After Michael Kopech made his start against Los Angeles Angels, which Michael Kopech was excellent, three scoreless innings for Michael Kopech. It was great to see. But after that game, Michael Kopech was asked about his performance and pitching under the clock. And Kopech said, quote, not that I was completely gassed, but I could tell I was a little tired. Started pulling off some stuff, started losing my body a little bit. I was rushing myself, and I think in the second inning, I fell behind one guy, and I was throwing with a lot of time left on the clock, and I made myself a little tired doing that again in the third inning. Okay, so Michael Kopech getting adjusted to the pitch clock, and Ethan Katz had a lot to say about this particular topic, Jim, and it is a pretty lengthy quote from Ethan Katz, but to get to the meat of what Katz is concerned about, he said, quote, because if they have a long inning and you're trying to push them through, 
Pitchers can be susceptible if they have a 20-pitch inning, a 25-pitch inning, and then they follow that up with another 20-pitch inning. They don't really get a chance to catch their breath. That's where my job and the catcher's job are trying to find the moments to find time. And Ethan Katz, the pitching coach for the White Sox, is now concerned with the pitch clock that if they do have difficult innings, where the White Sox pitchers are throwing more than 20 pitches or 25 pitches in an inning, and they follow that up with another 20-pitch inning, and all of a sudden they're in high-leverage situations and they don't get enough time to breathe, Katz is worried that could really raise injury concerns, especially when it comes to starting pitchers. We have not talked about this possibility before, Jim, with the new rules. Mm -hmm. Is this a concern that should concern White Sox fans for this upcoming season? The, you know, from what I understand of what happened in the minor leagues when they implemented the pitch clock, the, what we, what data we have from professional baseball says no, like there haven't been the wave of injuries that a lot of people feared when the pitch clock was being implemented across the minor leagues. So uh, I would say no, I guess the one question I have is, is there a difference between major leagues and minor leagues in terms of just like max effort like i i'm i assume like you know pitchers in double a are pitching with max effort but when you have like you know three decks on the stadium and when you have uh you know games being nationally televised and the games really count and and the players are making all that money like does that add a little bit of adrenaline that isn't there and maybe does that you know increase the effort and thus the fatigue pitch to pitch like that's something i can believe but i guess i want to see it happen before i believe it just because i I'm a little bit skeptical of pitchers who are just like hiding behind anything, given just how smooth it went uh, across baseball in the minor leagues with no injury issues. Like there was that, it was a little bit of a boogeyman, uh, you know, when it was being talked about and it just turned out, it was like pitchers complaining and pitchers getting adjusted to it and never actually happened. So I'm, I'm going to say no, but I think it's, oh, it's good. You know, better than okay. Like good that Ethan Katz is thinking about it because certainly you want to be, you know, maintaining uh, a pitcher's mechanics and making sure that there's no cascade issues from a pitcher throwing tired. And you want to be, you know, proactive when it comes to, especially like a pitcher like Michael Kopech with an injury history, getting those guys out of there if they feel like they're putting stress on a knee or putting stress on a, a shoulder because the legs aren't getting into it enough. Like all that's important. The lats, you know, the, the lat strains we talked about, like anything that mm -hmm. preserves that, you know, making sure that there's the balance between upper and lower body and the delivery, like, yes, you want uh, anything that uh, can possibly throw it out of whack, you want to be uh, aware of. So, yeah, I, I think it's fine and good that he's expounding on it because um, ultimately it's his job. And if he gets caught by surprise in, in April or May because he didn't see that coming, like that would be, a, I think, a, a, a mark against him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear him talking about it. I'm just not convinced uh, that it's going to be a huge issue. Uh, can see it being an issue. And, and you know, I think the league should have a plan in place if there is a spate of injuries. But we saw, you know, the league get by with a spate of injuries from the abbreviated ramp up. And we saw the league get by with the weird spring training or like summer camp uh, with the COVID season. So the league has been through stuff before. Pitchers have been through weird adjustments to their routines before and you know the the league got through and you know ultimately i think i'd like to see the league try its best to maintain this uh stringency with the pitch clock just because you know going between the uh 
spring training games, the World Baseball Classic, and being on the playbacks for the World Baseball Classic until 1 a.m. and just the pace of play dragging down. Like, I think everybody understands, like, oh, everybody except for John Smoltz. Like, oh, this is why the pitch clocks are here. Even if I don't like them and I don't like the weird timed violations and guys striking out without a pitch in, in, the, in spring training, like, I get why this needed to happen. Uh, and... Ultimately, I think I want to see the, you know, even if there are some uncomfortable moments and pitchers complaining about it, like I hope the league doesn't cave in until there is at least a little bit of data saying like, oh, pitchers are really hitting a wall early and it's, and it's you know, there just aren't enough arms and the product suffering. Because I think the, you know, the balance went the other way in which pitchers became so focused about executing the pitch and, you know, that's all well and good for them but it's hard to watch. And even though the pitcher holds the ball and controls the pace of play, like it's not all about you. <laughs> you know, the viewers have to be entertained. Like the uh, TV audiences have to be held. And if the pitchers are, if it's the pitcher's universe and we're all at the mercy of it, like yeah, the game's going to suffer. So here's hoping that this is all just, you know, not, not necessarily a chicken little, but just like, precautionary just you know ethan the cat's detailing what he's thinking about because he's a detail-oriented guy and uh this is just what he needs to be aware of in a new season like this one i wonder if we're going to see pitchers start wearing heart rate monitors on the mound so teams have that type of data if they are worried with the pitch clock that stress increasing let's keep track of this type of data maybe help our pitchers with the cardio vascular part of their job to improve in that area if they feel like they are getting fatigued quicker because of the pitch clock is there a way that they could track that type of data in game i don't know if they're wearing a a, uh, a wearable device to keep track of their heart rate on the mound today I, I don't know if the white Sox or anyone in major league baseball is currently doing that the one thing that i'm pondering about is that there's no way under tony the russa this would happen but if someone like Michael Kopech in the third and a fourth inning of a start goes back-to-back 25-pitch innings and it's very stressful for him and he's at like 70 pitches, I wonder if Pedro Grafal and Ethan Katz decide in that in those particular starts to pull Kopech even though he goes only four innings because they're thinking more long-term then short term and they want to ensure that they're not putting him into a position. If they throw him back out in the fifth inning that he can get, get himself really hurt. If he is fatigued at that moment at 70 pitches, like that's what I'm wondering and how the white Sox could be handling the pitching staff, Jim, based on what Ethan Katz had to say on the matter. It could. And I imagine they'll be watching the velocity very closely and like, you know, there's some fluctuations of velocity over the course of a game and a, across the course of like long innings, but I imagine like, yeah, if they're, if Kopech's throwing like 97, 97, 96, 94, 94, like I can see him being like, okay, like that's quite enough. Uh, at least until we, you know, they see how he bounces back from five days and then you have to build up the arm a bit, but yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. What, the thing that jumped out to me is I wonder if we're going to see a lot of teams use up their mound visits. Cause you know, when it went from six to five mound visits, Still don't see many teams use all five. Uh, I think the pitch com made it pretty easy and, and took care of like the biggest thing, which was switching up Steins, not understanding what's going on and getting crossed up. And that's why, uh, you know, these unnecessary mound visits happened. And the ones that happened, you know, since pitch was adopted, were all about 
getting a pitcher to regroup. And if it's a case where like Kopech's, you know, winded or like, you know, they're seeing something in his, uh, you know, if he's wearing a heart rate monitor or if they see something with just the way he's falling off the mound, funny, if like Grandal or if Sebi Zavala looks in the dugout and they look at Ethan Katz and Griffal and they just like nod to the mound and they go out there and use up a uh, mound visit and, and maybe it's their second one in three innings, but maybe it's a case where they have to be more proactive with that just because that is a tool they have to combat the speed of an inning getting to a pitcher. And that might be fine. Like that might be uh, a, a trade-off because you're still not going back to like the, you know, I guess Joe Maurer would be emblematic of the mound visit every other pitch days. where just like, you know, he just, he's a control freak and, or, or a terrible communicator with his fingers and they can't get on, on board. Like this would be a case where it is proactive, but ultimately uh, and it, it's proactive on the catcher's part. It does drag down the game a little bit a moment, but then you get back into the, uh, you know, behind the plate and, and the pitcher gets back in the rubber and it's still like bam, 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 every 20 seconds or better. And the, the pace is restored. So I could see the mound visit being, a big tool for the catchers to try to uh, prolong a starter's uh, stamina or to allow a pitcher to get back on track. That's the topic that we'll be paying attention to when it comes to the pitch clock and seeing how the White Sox pitchers handle it for the rest of spring training. And of course, early in the regular season as the White Sox make their way to Houston for opening day in just a couple of weeks. For the Chicago White Sox, when it comes to fan promotions, they're getting ready to go for the home opener, which is going to be on Monday, April 3rd against the San Francisco Giants. And then the White Sox have that Tuesday scheduled off in case if there's a snow out or a rain out on the original opening day, they can move it back a day to that Tuesday. And then they play at 1 o'clock on Wednesday and Thursday. But the first scheduled Tuesday game for the Chicago White Sox is April 18th against the defending National League pennant winners the Philadelphia Phillies and the importance of that game is that the White Sox have a new promotion it is five dollar Tuesdays at guarantee rate field Modelo Miller Lite drafts five dollars now for 16 ounces the Vienna beef premium hot dog or Polish sausage five bucks Garrett popcorn five bucks Coca-Cola products, five bucks. Nachos, five bucks. Not the helmet nachos. You know, the plastic container with just the chips and cheese. Mm -hmm. That's five dollars. And then beggars pizza slices, five dollars. So it's not quite hot dog, dollar hot dog Wednesdays, Jim. It's not quite there. But this is not a bad deal because when it comes to Miller Lite and Modelo, you're spending at least twice as much for 16 ounce at the game. So at least on beer sales alone, (laughs) you may encourage more people drinking on a school night than ever before. Yeah. I was thinking like a, yeah, I haven't been to the park, uh, in a bit, like in terms of like studying concession prices, but a $5 16 ounce Modelo has to be like the best deal in the park. Right. Oh yeah. It's usually like 1150 or $12. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's a good, default option i think for the cheapest Uh option like i'm a modello fan at least you know among that tier of beer um to me it almost makes sense like you know the one thing i wonder about is you you mentioned and and i've heard from other people too about the really slow service and the crowded concourses and like what the line is going to be like that and if you're saving five to seven bucks on a beer does it make sense like give the person pouring it a 20 
uh, a mm. tip just to start and be like, Hey, can you make these available on the side or something like that? Like <laughs> just like every, you know, every third, you know, every, every other inning, like have one on the side here that I take, you know, and just, Hmm. And then you put a $5 down. Like when you pick it up, like hmm. it seems like people who are great at building relationships can really cut the line here. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, the, the beer stand behind section 108. Yes. Yes. Definitely can cut the line there. Even like if you're a people and, person and, and, and you can, yeah, you know, forget names and mm-hmm. you're good at just like knowing what kind of amount of money gets, what kind of service, like that could be, that could be the way if you're saving that much money per beer, mm-hmm. it might, it, then you can start worrying about saving time. Well, it's a Tuesday night. These games are not like sold out and these prices don't apply to the Tuesday night game against the Chicago Cubs. So sorry, Cubs fans, you will not be able to take advantage of these discounts when you come down to visit guarantee rate field. So even if the stadium is like half full, let's say 20,000, I think you should be okay. But I will say what will happen is that you and your buddy are going up. You are both getting two beers. Not, hey, I've got this round. You both get a beer yeah. and you're spending 25 bucks. No, <laughs> I'm getting my two beers. I'm paying mine. You get your two beers. All right, we go back to the seat. I think that's what's going to end up happening. You're still going to spend 10 or more dollars, but you're going to get two beers instead of one. I think that's what's going to be happening. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I don't drink that fast <laughs> to, uh, you know, I just have a full beer like sitting spillable too long for me to be comfortable with that. But I get that. Got it. They do have the metal cups now. So when you're in April or September and October and it's a bit chilly, it stays cool much, much longer. Okay. Summertime. I'm with you. If you go to like a, where it's like 80 degrees and humid in July on a Tuesday night. Yeah. I I could, I see your point. Yeah. Especially like the Modelo grade beers. You drink them because they're cold on a hot day. Like that's why they're, that's why they're good. Right. Uh, the beggars pizza slice. That's pretty good. Usually they've been going for like seven fifty now. So you get like $2 and 50 cents, uh, including the Polish sausages in the $5. That's a nice touch other than yeah, the hot just dogs the seem hot dog. like not a big deal, but Polish. Yeah. Yeah. The Coke products for $5 is such a ripoff still. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought they were $5 to begin with. And I've been told that they were like $7 for like a Coke zero. And that that's way too much money. Yeah, it's like $5 for Jack and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Does it come with a shot of Jack? <laughs> yeah. In, in Nashville uh, sounds games, they have uh, uh whiskey Coke slushies. Oh, nice. Which are awesome. Yeah, like that's good. always my go-to there. And like, yeah, those are five bucks. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Give me one. <laughs> Just Give me I, two. I, I'm walking home. So yeah. <laughs> after my driving, but that's something to look forward to is the Tuesday $5 promotions. And again, the first scheduled Tuesday night game for the Chicago white Sox under this promotion will be Tuesday, April 18th against the Philadelphia Phillies. And then we wrap up the show, a little fun social media thing that the white Sox did. They asked white Sox players to say Chicago street names and Jim, this you, you found this to be quite enjoyable and uh, I'll pass the mic over to you. Well, what did you like about this particular video? I think there's one street name in particular that you were impressed about. 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like it was a, it was a good social day for the White Sox. It feels like, you know, this has been a very good spring training and, uh, you know, between the world baseball classic, the everybody basically staying healthy, the rotation, like Dylan Cease bouncing back and, you know, finding some control with the slider. Allegedly, we you know, couldn't watch the game. So we're going off what other people are saying, no. but like, you know, seemed like he was throwing more strikes and got through, uh, got into the fourth inning and was you know not looking like a mess and hitting 97, like, great. You know, everything's looking up and, and now we're starting to see like the White Sox starting to get more enjoyable. The, the, the Clevenger stuff has, um, you know, it's not the story anymore. Like it's at least there's some, some closure to it. And so, um, you know, other stuff's being talked about and that's fine because, you know, it's, nothing's going to change with the other situation. So, uh, you can compartmentalize a little bit and, and pay attention to other people. And yeah, it, it just, well, one, I always enjoy the local name trivia because, you know, having lived in upstate New York and then moving down here to Nashville, it's just a couple of, uh, you know, cases of like when I moved to Albany, like that was founded by Dutch settlers in 1609. And like, I didn't know how Dutch words are pronounced or like how some combinations because they're founded by Dutch sounded completely different, which was great for like knowing how to pronounce Daryl Van Scowen's name before hearing it. Because like by the time, you know, he was the White Sox beat writer, like, oh yeah, Van Scowen, C-C-S-C-H-O-U-W-E-N, Van Scowen, easy. Like because of just all the education I got <laughs> from, you know, seeing Dutch words in, in, you know, practice, but I didn't know how to pronounce, uh, Valatia, I said Valatai. You know, I didn't know how to pronounce uh, Scatacoca. Mm. Yeah, I just looked at it. Uh, you know, just all these <laughs> words like that. So, like, it's an education. So, I enjoy, like, seeing Chicago names I grew up with, like, you know, being presented to people who don't know. Because, like, yeah, I went through the same thing in New York. And Nashville's a little bit easier. I didn't know how to pronounce Demunbrian, which is how Demon Brune looks like when you... Fortunately, I looked it up before having to say it out loud. But, uh, like... It's fun, you know, and it's a case where, like, I don't fault anybody. Like, I do fault, or not fault, but I find it strange, like, Racine was not, nobody is close on Racine, I think. Like, not even Racine, you know, or Racine, like, pronouncing more of a Ray. Mm -hmm. Like, that was fine. Like, nobody even got that, which was weird. Well, like, I don't think they're Midwesterners, though, that they were asking. A, a lot of these guys, like, Gavin Sheets yeah. was, like, frozen fear. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> to be frozen by that one is just, like... Unless he thought, like, was overthinking it, like, you know, in a case where, like, why is this being... Like, Roosevelt, everybody got Roosevelt, and I was hoping that was the case, because Roosevelt's... There's only one way anybody's ever pronounced Roosevelt uh, in the United States. They got two presidents worth of practice on it, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's a case where, like, think, you know, okay, good, everybody got that one. Yeah. But, uh, like, I just, you know, you look at that word, and, like, I didn't know there's another way to pronounce it, so I kind of got an education there. Uh, Declan Cronin coming through with uh, Goethe on the... Which is a, a name I had no idea how to pronounce until I took high school German. Okay. Like, it did not lock in for me. Like, maybe I heard it pronounced correctly, but seeing it, not understanding, like, not drawing a connection and hearing it pronounced a few different ways and having no, and not coming across it myself uh, because I, I really wasn't in that neighborhood all that often to have to say it. Um, you know, I, I, points for him uh, getting the umlaut on the, uh, <laughs> on, on the diphthong there. So yeah, points to him. The, the one that I didn't know myself because like I hadn't seen enough and realized like, Oh, I never actually, never actually came up was uh, T H R O O P. 
So is that is that troop? No, it's troop. It's true. Which I didn't. Yes. Okay. So the H is silent. So, yes. Okay. And it's a case where, like, you know, at first I thought was it thrope because I I normally thought throop, but then with Jonathan Scope I thought like, oh, is it you know the same mm. same origin and you know kind of like going back to my my Dutch training and being like. Oh, is it the same origin? And it's Thrope. And so that's probably what I would have gone with if I were presented with the same thing. And nope, Troop. So. It's Troop. Okay, then you have Paulina, which yep. they did not, nobody got that one. Paulina. That's understandable, but that's that's a that's a Chicago education right there. Yeah. Levitt. I, <laughs> they did not get Levitt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Displains was the other half and one. Half and half. Yeah. Now, is it Ada? Ada. Ada. Okay. Ada. I wasn't familiar with the Ada Street. Some of these I, I've lived nearby, like Levitt. I lived nearby Polina, the Polina Brown Line stop, Roosevelt. Yeah, those are pretty pretty simple. But Goethe, I had no idea. Goethe, Goethe, like Goethe. you gotta basically pinch the side of your mouth. Goethe, Goethe. like that's how you. Goethe. That's how you. That's how we uh, train in like in, in high school German class, like holding the the sides of our mouth like this, and then Goethe. like O sound O O O. I don't think I've ever watched WGN and they the newscasters ever did that. <laughs> yeah. So points to Declan Cronin. He jumped at least three spots on my prospect list. <laughs> Because of that. <laughs> Good job, Doug. Intangibles. <laughs> Good job. And you do you, you saved Davis Martin there as far as the video. You go to Twitter at White Sox, you could watch uh a lot of the White Sox players struggle with Chicago street names, but that's how we end as far as this episode, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. In the upcoming podcast, we are going to continue our position previews. We're going to take a look at the starting pitchers and we'll include the catchers there along with the starting pitcher. So about six players, six or seven players that we're going to be previewing in the next episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. And then we'll wrap up as far as the position previews in the final week of spring training, taking a look at the relievers, see who stayed healthy and what that battle of the bullpen as far as positions look like and who is most likely going to be part of Pedro Grafal's bullpen as he'll take it down to Houston to start the 2023 season. So those are the episodes to look forward to. And of course, we'll continue to talk about the World Baseball Classic in the midweek episodes as uh, the White Sox players are still involved uh, as the countries continue to march on to see who will be the next champion of the World Baseball Classic. But thanks for listening to this episode. If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine where we upload our podcast episodes there and also video highlights as well. So if you do get a chance, check out our videos there on YouTube. If you enjoy our work and you want more, you can help support us at patreon.com slash Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get exclusive content, they get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag in the store, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching.